Well, good morning, class, and welcome to, um, to the Antioch Church of Christ Bible class here. For those of you who are watching online, we welcome you. Um, and as I look out with the class, now this is, so we had, you know, Andrew's gone, so the fellowship room, I suspect you're either, they're either gone or, or they're here. So um, it's, a, it's a good turnout. Now, what we've been doing for the past several weeks, and I'll, I'll conclude this in one more study in one more week, we've been going through the 51st Psalm. So if you have your Bibles or your smartphones, turn to the book of Psalms, the 51st Psalm. And as you're doing that, I'd like to open with the word of prayer. Righteous God, we do thank you for your presence in this class, not only within each Christian here, but all around us, we just feel your presence, God, and we seek your applause, your love as your children. So we ask that as we go through this psalm that you had your servant David write um, 3,000 years ago, that it will be uh, relevant and meaningful today because it is the living word that we, uh, that we continue to read and study. So hear our prayers through Christ our Savior. Amen. Okay. Um, I've, entitled, I've titled this Bible class series, uh, Seven Steps to Renewal. And <clears throat> I really do believe this is a good title in that I think as you read through the 19 verses in the 51st Psalm, uh, it really gives you step by step what, what we can do when we sin. Now, whether or not the sins are as heinous in the eyes of the world as, as what David committed, the sins of adultery and the sins of, of, of murder and betrayal, but nonetheless, every time I sin and every time you sin and we understand what we've done, these are the steps that we can go through to fall before the Lord our God and simply cry for a cleansing. Everything begins here. In fact, your whole Christian journey, uh, as you move from day to day, this is a regular occurrence, and I, I suspect for you, uh, I know it is for me, that how many times a day, oh, I don't know, do, do you pray, you know, God forgive me, I, I'm, I'm sorry for, I'm, I'm, you know, forgive me? It doesn't mean that you know, that you're no longer a child of his. It just means that you recognize that you made a mistake and that you need God's forgiveness, the Father's. So you cry for cleansing. Now, in this case, he had just been confronted by Nathan the prophet. He had committed sin with Bathsheba probably up, you know, well over nine months prior to, to this moment um, because the baby was born. And so Nathan approaches David, and he shares a parable, and the parable in the end has that beautiful moment that all parabolic teaching has. There's, you know, unlike an allegory where all the details are meaningful, in a parable, the details are there for the color. They're there to add, you know, the background to the story. But there's generally only one moral, and the moral is always at the end of the parable. And all 30-plus parables that Jesus uttered, listen for the moral. And he gets right to it, and it's boom, it's there. All of a sudden, he's, 
and, and this may look derogatory, but I mean it in a positive way. He's reeling you in. He's engaging you, them, in his day, and then today, us, through Scripture. He's engaging us in the process, and we're caught up with it, and then, boom, wit, you're the man. And then, David, you're the man. And I won't go through the parable again, but, but you know it. If you don't know about it, go turn to 1 Samuel chapter 11 and 12, chapters 11 and 12, and, and read those two chapters, because that explains what David did when he saw Bathsheba on the rooftop and the whole, um, you know, odious affair, and then that shares Nathan's uh, confrontation with the king. And then this 51st Psalm and the 32nd Psalm are both based on that confrontation. So the moment David, and he could have simply denied it, he could have said, I am the king, by the way, but he didn't. That's why he was a man after God's own heart. So what does he do? He goes before the altar of God. He lies uh, prostrate, and he says, Have mercy on me, O God. You can just imagine the scene. And no doubt his servants walked by, and they were probably uh, accustomed to seeing their king lying face down before the altar. And so they just left him alone. They just move on the other side and keep going. Have mercy on me, O God, according, here's how you can have mercy, according to your steadfast love and your abundant mercy. He calls upon God, his love and mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me from my iniquities. Cleanse me from my sins. And just like you and me of a sin I committed or you committed 10 years ago, my sin is ever before me. That's the next section. So the first step is to simply call to God for help. The second is to realize what you did really was a sin. I mean deep down. For I know my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. And this is why I think David could say, against you only have I sinned. What do you mean? You killed Uriah or had him killed. You sinned against Bathsheba. You brought reproach on the whole family. You're, the, the child's going to have to forfeit his life as well. What do you mean against you only? Well, because when you really understand what sin is, and I think the more we draw closer to God, the more we appreciate this. It's not that we don't hurt each other, and it's not that I don't sin against Debbie or she against me, but in the end, every time our relationship is severed, it's a relationship that was put together by God himself, you know, brought together. God is the matchmaker. God is the one who brings us together, not just husband, wife, but families of God. We are brothers and sisters because we have accepted God's invitation. He's called us, the promises to you and to your children, all who are far off, to everyone whom the Lord God has called to him. Talk about a calling this morning from Ephesians 4. Lead a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called. I don't know if you really, if that's ever really sunk in, but you're not a Christian by accident. You just didn't stumble into it. Well, mom and dad were, so I guess I am. No, that's not true at all. It doesn't make a difference whether I was on Skid Row or I was, I was reared in a, in a Christian family. In the end, God has continued to call me, and I have to say yes or no.
So don't ever think that you're not called by God. You are called. And once you're called by God, the more you understand that, the more we realize when we sin, like David, against you only have I sinned. And then we have to understand the depths of sin. Now, you may not have this written on a piece of paper in your little prayer room, but in fact, when you confess your sins to God, I think you go through all of these steps, whether you know it or not. And then he talks about how we have the propensity to sin natural, uh, naturally. Uh, I was sinful at birth uh, for my conception. And then, of course, God only works in the inside. Once the, I, I call it the fourth step, once we reach a point where we cried for help, we've understood the depths of sin, and we realize that we cannot go through this process without God, then we're back in communion. You know when you sin, you break communion. I mean, you, you don't break love. You, you break fellowship. And I, this is a study for a different time, but I've used the expression before, and I know I probably used it, and then people have misunderstood Sometimes you do that. It's very clear to you, but, but, you know, we all think differently. Fellowship and salvation are not synonymous. Heaven is going to be filled with those who are saved, whose fellowship with the Lord was enough for salvation to receive the gift of the, the Spirit, to receive grace. While others, like Philip, Steve, and Bonnie, and everybody start calling names, I'll go, go. others have grown with the Lord. And I think that's what John meant when he said, walk in fellowship, 1 John chapter 1. He said, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with the other. So we can break fellowship. 1 Corinthians 7, the man who was caught um, in this uh, horrible sin of... of um, of lust and not even adultery, but, you know, he was sleeping with his, like, anyway, this, this awful sexual sin. That's why Paul said, deliver him to the devil. He doesn't mean, you know, he's, he's, he's so broken fellowship and he's so unconcerned about it that you, we need to take this incredible step and we as a community need to break fellowship. Why? Hopefully, he'll, he'll see this breaking of communion, breaking of a partnership, koinonia, and he'll come to his senses, like the prodigal who's feeding from the pig's trough. Anyway, the whole purpose God always has in mind, restoration. David broke fellowship with God, and David knew it, and he didn't want to be out of God's fellowship. That's why he'll He'll say, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. You could. I don't deserve your Holy Spirit, but please don't take it from me like you took it from Saul. So, For me, these are steps that we need to go through every time we break fellowship. Clean heart. We're going to get to our, the one that we're on today. By the time I do this, you know, I've only got about 15 minutes, but it's really okay because that's as much study as I put into it. Then I just use summaries. Thank you for laughing. 
Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Okay. We're talking about now the joy. David has reached a point, and you do too. We reach a point of after we commit sin and we fall before God in the privacy of our own place, thoughts, heart, and God cleanses us of our sins, now we're joyful again, or at least we need to be. And it's very challenging for us, once we've sinned, especially if we think it was a heinous sin, to once God has forgiven us, for us to forgive ourselves. That's really challenging. But David understood it. He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. He connects joy with salvation. And the salvation he's talking about is not heaven. The salvation he's talking about is being saved from sin. Because sin destroys and separates and only God can make it right. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your generous spirit. Okay, restore the joy of your salvation, deliverance from sin. I know we can't have a discussion in, in a room this size, I understand that, so forgive me for just having this long monologue, this lecture. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58. I tell you, there are a handful of verses of Scripture that you would do well to memorize, but this is one of them, and this is one of them. O death, where is thy sting? O death, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. Do you understand that? The sting of death is sin. Death, sin, hand in hand. The power of sin is the law. Oh, I thought the power of sin was grace. Well, that's why he got, The power of sin is the law. He's already talked about it. Did the, can the law forgive the sin? It just identifies it. There is, the law is impotent. I mean, I think the Apostle Paul in this text is, is, is making this absurd connection. He's being facetious. The, the sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. That didn't do any good. Notice how he closes. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When I sin... If I want to receive joy back in my life, I need to understand the victory comes through Christ. I don't understand why God would forgive me. And, you know, I told my son, no, I told, well, I've told him this many times, shame, but I also shared this with a good friend of mine this last week. And I said, if every closet door of our lives were open and every person saw everything we've done if they were God I tell my sons I know you would be disappointed in your dad I know that and I suspect if you open your door and I think you're the best men I've ever known in my life I suspect I would be disappointed. I would also be encouraged, and you would be encouraged, 
The point is, is that we're all in the same leaky boat. We're all in the same body of Christ. We all are like David. We're like David. What we need to ensure in our daily walk is that we also can be restored like David was restored. And the only way to do that is to cry for help and go through the process of God forgiving us and joy will return to our lives. Uh, this morning we talked about uh, Ephesians 4.1. In Ephesians 1 through 3, we have been chosen by God, redeemed by Christ, sealed by the Spirit in order to lead a life worthy of the calling to which we have been called. I think the only way to have joy is for me to let go. It's, I don't do it very well. Um, but, but I do it eventually. Eventually, if you live long enough, or if you ponder on a certain something long enough, if you're really begging God for help, eventually, by God's Spirit, you'll let it go and press on with life. Another good verse to memorize. Verses are great to memorize because, you know, that's how you lead a life worthy. Whenever the Apostle Paul said, forgetting what lies behind. Now, did Paul really forget what lies behind? Not really, if you're talking about memory. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter, um, I guess it would have uh, 15, that's it. 1 Corinthians 15, he said, I'm the least of the apostles, verse 9, unfit to be called an apostle because I murdered, I persecuted the church of God. I don't mean just kind of poked them. He, they were killed. We talk about them being thrown in prison. No doubt they had these, these Sadducean guards with Paul, and they were killing people. And then those who surrendered, they were put in prison. Paul had memories of this, and he was in charge of it. He could have told the guards, stop. But, but he didn't say that because he thought he was doing the right thing. And so he's never forgot about it. But the true word forget in Scripture implies that you simply, once you to truly forget, is to live as if the sin never happened. If I forgive, and forgive and forget are in the same boat. Aphesis, if I forgive, then I, what I do, coach there, if I simply treat him like it never happened. So that's what we're talking about here. Uh, how do you lead a life? I forgot where I was headed with this, but that's how you do it. Where was I headed with that, Steve? Where? Take the mask off and tell me. Yes, yes, thank you. Thank you, Ken. See, that's why I have to have a discussion class. I do this all the time, and the home improvement just, they help me out. Yeah, forget what lies behind. Do you think Paul forgot? Not really, but in the truest way he did. Forgetting what lies behind and pressing forward to what lies ahead I press on. Where? Where are you headed? Toward the goal of the prize of the upward calling of God through Christ, or some words to that effect. Paul was saying, even though I, him, even though he sinned, he never lost sight of the goal. And that's why at the end, he could say, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith. Because you were so perfect? No. But he had joy and when he was forgiven. Okay, restore the joy of your salvation. 
Um, I must have, we're not going to have time to go through all of this. The, the second part of that was, and uphold us with a generous spirit. Well, let me ask you, what does that mean? Whenever David is praying that, you know, God restore the joy of his salvation, the joy that he felt prior to the moment with Bathsheba, and then this depths of sin, now he's miserable, and he begs the Lord, you know, have mercy on me, and restore the joy of my salvation, uh, and uphold me with your generous spirit. We, we really, once again, you, we can't ask for comments, but, but I wonder what you think that means. it means. I think the spirit that he is talking about is his own spirit. I've, had, I've read other commentators, scholars, who, who say, no, they think he's making reference to his own human spirit. But it, for me, the context is the Holy Spirit. You know, um, Uphold me with your generous spirit. In John 14, 17, somebody turn to John 14, 17. And let's read that very quickly, and then we're going to bring the class to a close. And Steve, if you have it, yeah, here, let me do something, if you don't mind. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. There was another verse I was thinking of. 14, 17, 14, 17. That's good. That is what the 17th verse says. Maybe it's 15 as well. Anyway, at one point, I don't think I have it elsewhere. At one point, Jesus says in John chapters 14, 15, and 16, he says, it is to your advantage that I go away because if I go away, I will come again and I will bring and I will send to you the comforter of the Holy Spirit. Is that also there close by? Yeah, that was my thought. Anyway, I believe the only way that we can continue down these steps of forgiveness is if we beg the Lord uh, to forgive us and we realize that it's the Spirit of God living within us that is truly generous. Uh, then I will teach transgressors. I think David learned from experience. I think the reason David was a man after God's own heart is not only that he was uh, contrite and that he was uh, wanting to be forgiven and wanting to make right with the Lord, but that also um, he would take his, his weakness and he would help others. The 51st Psalm, the 32nd Psalm, I mean, these are God's way of working through a very willing David to confess his own sins. If you were a psalter and you were writing a book, tell me the truth. I mean, if I had, you know, I mean, if, if, if any of us had committed sins like David, do you really think you'd want it published? Do you think you'd want to put it in a book form and let the world read about it? Airing your dirty laundry, as they say. And the answer is no. But then on the other hand, Steve, uh, pardon me, Philip, did you have a question? your comment there. It's very interesting that, of course, David wrote the 51st Psalm, but there is a statement uh, in the text above that which says, for the director of music, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. The point I want to make with this is it's very interesting in the Hebrew text, that's the first verse. That is in Scripture. 
that's considered the first verse. Uh, so it was published. <laughs> it was published what, what he did. And uh, uh, that probably would be a very humbling reminder of all the time for, for David in that, that regard. Uh, but I just wanted to bring that up because that actually is the first verse in Hebrew, is that uh, uh, little synopsis of, of why, the book, why, why that chapter was written. Very insightful. Very insightful. I, I, I didn't know that, Philip. So I'm going to go back and do a little more reading. Thank you. I love moments when I don't know something. And I, I didn't, I've never even read it. So I'm going to go back and do a little research on it. But Philip is, um, you know, has studied Hebrew, and, 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 I, and I deeply appreciate you, brother. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, I can tell you that, that, that the point that I want to make is when we sin, we can use these moments to help others. It's, you know, uh, Henry Nouwen wrote one of his very first books. I don't know if you ever have read much of Nouwen, but he's a prolific writer, and he's, he's passed away, but great writer, a Dutch theologian, a Roman Catholic priest, but just a phenomenal writer. Um, anyway, he wrote this book called Wounded Healer, and his thesis is that he believed that only those who were wounded, priests, you know, ministers, Bible school teachers, Christians, etc. Only those who are wounded could, can really help others. Now, everyone's wounded, but only those who recognize their wounds can therefore turn to others. How many times have someone, has someone come to you uh, in your times of, of sadness and crises and said, I've been through what you're going through? Or you knew them and you went to them. And you said, I know you've experienced the same thing. I can't get over this. And so you find someone who has been through it. Now, I'm talking about sins here, but it could be any of life's experiences. Um, I've often heard, there it is. I've often heard, in fact, I shared this with this fellow that I was talking with earlier last week. I said, um, years ago, I heard that if you want to be a good minister and you're ever unsure what to speak on, when I promise you, it is a weekly battle when you're up every single Sunday. My prayer to the Lord is far more intense on just give me a word and then I'll take it from there, you know, with your help. I need to hear something from you. I'm your messenger. Tell me what your people need, please. I heard this. Um, preach to the suffering and you'll never lack for a congregation. Pretty cool. And it's true. And if I, when, I, you know, when I'm in the pew and somebody preaches on suffering, they've got me. Why? Because I've had my share of it. And so have you. And you would never lack for a congregation. I believe that's what David did. My point. I believe it was published and it was published not only by the direction of God, the Holy Spirit, but it was published because David wanted it published. And don't you know that he went to Bathsheba and to her family and to Uriah's family and said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, forgive me, I'm sorry. Against God only, but I know I've violated you. Okay, next week, uh, October the 11th, we're going to wrap it up. And it actually, of all the verses of Scripture, this is, a, this is the one that really has the punch in it. This is that end of the parable, if you will, when David says, 
um, a sacrifice is not what you want. What you want, God, is a broken and contrite heart. And that's how he closes this psalm of contrition. Okay, let's close with the word of prayer, and um, then the lesson will be yours. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Blessed Lord, we ask that as we come to a close this morning, that we have, you know, been fueled by you, Father, that you've that your Holy Spirit has nudged us in a way that we can leave uh, this family and go into the world and we can lead a life worthy of the calling that you've called us to and that when we sin, we'll know that we can be restored by your love and grace. Hear our prayer and be with us always. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. There it is.